So hello and welcome to another episode of the Turn 5 podcast, but this week it's the return of the Turn 3 podcast with a slight rotation in the 3. So I'm joined this week by Nir and uh, <laughs> Nir and Ben and myself. And yeah, a- Alex's Wi-Fi is doing its best impression of Spa. Uh, it doesn't work in the rain. And Chris is being Chris and saying that we'll talk about something and then not turning up to the episode. So classic He's Chris. He's also in Italy, so. We don't give the excuse. <laughs> Grazie or regretsy. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, we, we, we were going to sort of cover everything from Formula 2 and Formula 3 in Russia, as well as the Schumacher documentary, but to be honest, the, the only thing that really happened in the formula was that De- Dennis Hauger was crowned F3 champion, and that was about it. It was, a, it was a bit messy overall in the weekends, a couple of people skidded off, big engine blew out for someone, but you know, other than that, it was just a pretty run-of-the-mill Formula 2 event. So instead, we're just going to talk about the Schumacher documentary, because why not, before then eventually moving on to our predictions ahead of this weekend's Turkish Grand Prix, because it is raw keek, and we are back in business. So we'll kick it off with Ben. Thoughts of the Schumacher documentary? Um, It was... Good. I've I'd say there's better F1 documentaries, but from my perspective, seen obviously I've seen the later side of Schumacher, and they didn't show that as much. So it was good to see the early years and understand that more. Yeah. Um. I again, I thought it could have been better. Like someone who didn't watch F1 until 2020 it was like a good thing to see how what teams he was in like the progression and all that but it could have been a lot better towards the end like it was nice seeing Mick and Gina that's his daughter's name yeah it's Gina like Mick Gina and Corinna like talking about how we what it was like and the family and all that but it, it could have been a bit better at the end yeah, it was the last five minutes that just sort of broke for me as the, the old man of the podcast, <laughs> because I actually remember like the heyday of early 2000s Schumacher and how literally unstoppable he was on his day. Like, if, if he was in the mood, that was it. Just give up, go home. But that was the same thing you could have said about any of the greats, really. Like, I mean... Uh, there was a thing, it was Martin Brundle was talking with, it might have been Lewis, about doing qualifying around Monaco and how um, when Senna was on his lap, everyone just got out of the way as far and as fast as they could because nobody wanted to be the guy that ruined his lap because that was like the spectacle <laughs> because he was just that much quicker than everyone else. Um And it's something you can say about a lot of drivers, but with Michael and especially in the 0203 Ferrari, it was just don't, you can't even hold a candle to it. It was obscenely good. But to see the sort of the younger footage, the karting in particular, that was, that's stuff that I've, I've not known about and I've not seen 
um and just his general like i know obviously like you, you all know the story of like he got his debut at spa his gearbox blew up and then he instantly got signed to another team. Everyone knows that, but then it's that sort of like interlude period between when he won his first two world championships and then when he was dominant at Ferrari that kind of, it's a bit of a gray area. Nobody really, nobody really remembers it anymore. So it was nice to see that bit fleshed out. Um, because that there was, was, there was a thing. I think obviously it's quite sad it happened, but I think they maybe touched on Senna for a bit too long mm. like obviously if Michael saw it like he saw the crash happen because he was directly behind him and Senna was trying to keep Michael away but I think they probably touched on it for a bit too long because that was for like 15 minutes so I was like an eighth of the documentary was just him talking about Imola 94 was wasn't it Uh, yeah 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 so it's like that bit could have been shortened down a little bit and maybe they could have touched on they they could have moved that like maybe like five minutes or something to the end where uh his family were talking about him or something else that's the only that's one of the things i could say it said a bit was a bit too long i I, I don't know because like to witness something like that firsthand is obviously going to shape you as a person yeah and I feel like the effect that it had on him was kind of why they spent so long on that section because it wasn't obviously it wasn't just Senna that died that weekend true yeah um we had Ratzenberger's Ratzenberger, Roland Ratzenberger Roland Ratzenberger yeah um he he died the day before in qualifying um so it was like i mean yeah we we all call it you know f1's darkest weekend for a good reason because we lost two good drivers one insanely good driver um but to be i mean i still can't believe that they actually went and finished the race to be honest um i mean you see it in other sports if someone goes down injured or whatever then sometimes things just get called off and that's it we'll do it another day um it, it re- sort of reminded me in a way of Denmark's opening game at the Euros where Ericsson hit the deck, but they still finished the game later that evening. And it's just how how do the players have the, the mental fortitude to just carry on? I mean, at that point, did they know the player was fine and he said, yeah. carry on the game? Yeah. Yeah. Um, it was essentially up to the rest of the team at that point if they wanted to or not. Um, they had heard from him at the hospital that he'd like FaceTimed them, but the guy, the, the drivers at the Grand Prix had no news whatsoever until they got out of the car at the end of the race. Yeah, it didn't on the before the podium celebration. They were like, "Don't celebrate. He's in a coma or something like that." Yeah, yeah, which is just yeah, mad to think. It's just. I mean, I know at the end of the day, it's it's an event, and you've got to host an event, but Spa. people's lives, like yeah, when someone's had that big an accident, and they are in that. I mean, I suppose nowadays we don't really have that sort of trouble anymore, do we? Because we've got all of these advanced safety features. Like you look at 
Senna's crash, and if they'd had the the hand support system and the halo, he probably would have survived. And that's the sad thing. Uh, it's we have made the advances in technology, but sadly, it's been at a cost, and that cost has been multiple drivers throughout the years. And thankfully, they introduced the halo before anyone had a well imagine Grosjean's without the halo that would have just yeah that's yeah he wouldn't have survived that's a man pancake on an armco barrier so like at least they introduce something proactively rather than reactively which is good it means they're getting ahead of the dangers which is what you need um obviously we'll see how safe these new cars are when they come out because they're getting smaller so but they should also be slower so should be okay but yeah i feel like they they stuck on the center topic because when you're that close and it is a a driver of that caliber and even they can make that one mistake that ultimately costs them their life that and when, when especially when that's your career like it's easy enough to just sit here and talk about it and say cool that's gonna be hard but when you've got to get back in the car and go racing again for a livelihood, that's a whole different ball game. Then again, I that's coming from like me saying the side of it was a bit too long from someone who didn't experience it live, like didn't experience like any of Schumacher's uh, like his career or anything. So like I'm just speaking from a fan who's just seen footage of it. So like my opinion is obviously going to be different. Someone who witnessed it. Youth. <laughs> the damned youth. Yeah, no, I, I get that. Um, and I do kind of wish they'd spent a bit more time with this family at the end, but at the same time, I have mad respect for the fact that they did stick to what they did and they didn't push the privacy boundaries. Like, it was very clear that, you know, we will, we will talk, but it will be this. We will not discuss his current condition beyond sort of alluding to things um uh, to be honest i think mick's interview gave away the most um that that comment of he'd give up everything just to have a conversation with his dad mm. that that made me cry a lot mm. <laughs> yeah yeah i mean that tells you everything you really you need to know doesn't it so it's it's a real shame um and well i mean they're they're still caring for him so maybe there's always a chance isn't there so you just got to keep hoping but there was a lot of high profile people involved with this as well that was the thing that's kind of what caught me off because i was thinking oh it's you know i know it's got the family in it but then you know you've got like jean todd ross braun um villeneuve wasn't his manager in it for quite a bit. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. um, she's now mixed manager as well. No, I mean the his old his racing oh, yeah, yeah. manager, his, yeah, his original one, yeah, yeah, then, um, the one that took over. Um, yeah, she um, now manages Mick. And there was um Mark Webber, and I wasn't expecting Mark Webber to be in it, obviously, because I don't know what their relationship was like, but it. it... Seems like an an interesting addition, but maybe it's just I was because he's a, like I was expecting a bit more Seb. Yeah, honestly. 
Yeah, I was because they. I think they put more of Seb in the trailer than the actual documentary. Hit us with the classic drive to survive, Kimi <laughs> Yeah. Uh, damn Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but now, yeah, I, I don't know. Mark seemed like a bit of a a strange one because he was always just a another competitor to Michael. He wasn't like a title rival. He wasn't his teammate. He was just a, an outside guy looking in. And the only thing I can think of is that the guys doing the documentary knows that he can waffle enough because he does Channel Four punditry. So you know he can fill a conversation enough to fill that five minutes that you're trying to get a segue into he was talking about when he was at mercedes and mark was racing at red bull and was small yeah so that's probably the only thing they have which is oh he raced against him with mercedes yeah yeah we'll talk to him it's like you could have got so many other drivers like imagine the conversations you could have with Felipe Massa or Rubens Barrichello. Then again, how many yeah. people willing to do the conversation is the other question. Yeah, that's true. It might just that's, be like a scheduling thing as well. That was one sad thing about it is the fact there wasn't Rubens. There was Eddie Irvine So at least we had a teammate of his speaking about how he was. Yeah, but like Rubens was there for... The yeah. Ferrari heyday. He was like, but he was the Bottas of his time. <laughs> um, sorry, Bottas. I'm not. Um, I'm not sorry. You're a wingman. Um, <laughs> I mean, that was the. There's like two drivers that I kind of. Those those two drivers, Barrichello and um, Massa, are two drivers that I would have loved to have seen win a drivers' championship but they just happened to be in, I guess, the wrong place at the wrong time. Um, Barrichello could have easily won the World Championship in that Ferrari, but he just so happened to have Michael Schumacher as his teammate. And LeBron. So, and then, oh yeah, and then Jensen, yeah. Um, And then Massa got, well, (laughs) a Ferrari mechanic headbutt wall. Um, (laughs) Yeah, that was close, so... Yeah, it's a shame that neither of them actually won a Drivers' Championship, but they're definitely, for me at least, they're still up there among the greats of of the drivers. Like, when I try and remember the the earliest races, obviously the, the drivers that are still around stick with you. So Raikkonen, <laughs> obviously he's the, the one that you kind of first think, oh yeah, he was there because he's ever-present. Um but then it's you, you think Rubens, Massa, and then you get onto like Juan Pablo Montoya on those kind of drivers. It's you don't remember the backmarkers. You remember the winners, but to a point you still remember their teams because that Ferrari team wouldn't have been what it was without Rubens. And later in wouldn't have been what it was without Massa. So it's, yeah, it's a shame that they didn't manage to get more of Michael's teammates in. And honestly, I kind of expected more from other uh, German natives like Rosberg and Vettel, um, 
just because they've obviously got that that link. Um, I mean, they've also, I mean, they, they they obviously also talked outside because you know there's the the, the press conference that was absolutely hilarious, um, <laughs> and I mean that was obviously they they put the three Germans on the front bench of the the German Grand Prix press conference, so you know there's obviously been. The drivers hang out outside of the circuits. You know, we we all know that, um, and it would have just been I don't know. I, the, their choice of drivers was interesting, um, but I yeah, like... it would have been nice to see Rosberg because he was this Michael's teammate, and Seb because like you knew they were quite close. Like even Mick, I think it was Seb that said, "I want to be to Mick what Michael was to me." So, like, you could tell they were close, so it would have been nice to have more than, like, a sentence from Seb. Yeah. Um, Michael basically took Seb under his wing and uh, was sort of made Seb his protege, in a way. Um, Again, what Seb's doing to make. Yeah, which is really nice to see because Seb knows that Mick doesn't have his dad in the way that he did. So it's, in a way, Seb is passing on the information that his dad would be through, a, essentially through a third party. But it's, in that way, it's quite nice because in a way, Michael is still with Mick. It's just taking on a slightly different form um obviously we all want to see michael at the track cheering on mick but it's gonna be a while before that i feel if ever sadly yeah some videos of like um michael with mick like mick sat in a car and then michael like thing and then just some other videos I've seen of Michael actually having a video camera and filming Mick going around the track. It's like, that would be so nice to see. But in Formula One, when Michael is actually there watching Mick race, that would be so nice to see. But, but still has the old tape camcorder. Yeah, the same camera. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, no, obviously everyone wants to see the, the father-son team do well but it's just something that we have to I say, accept for at least the, the medium term that it's not gonna not gonna happen and fair play to Seb for doing what he's doing and I feel like Seb personally I think like Seb is like repaying Michael for what he did he did for Seb so like because obviously Michael can't do it himself sadly so he's just like repaying Michael in a, a way of helping Mick like he did to him. Well, yeah. I mean, in, in one of Seb's, uh, I think it was, was it 2012 Brazilian Grand Prix, Michael basically just got out of the way so that Seb could win the, well, get the place that he needed to win the championship. So I feel like, you know, there is obviously a connection there. They obviously were close and now that Mix made it to F1 and this sort of the next step in that journey. Um, 
which is really nice. But, you know, I mean, there's literally nothing Seb can't do now, is there? <laughs> so <laughs> the, the guy is just a, a walking deity at this point. <laughs> and if you'd, if you'd told me 10 years ago that I'd be saying that, I'd have probably slapped you because I didn't like him at that point. <laughs> but yeah, I, I mean, overall, it's it's a it's a nice documentary. It's not it's not an intrusive documentary, um, which is kind of what I was worried that it could be, um, because Mike when when Michael was in the paddock, he was very clear that work is work and private life is private. Uh, Corinna said that as well as well, like when she was explaining how Michael was and how he stayed at the track for ages, but that was when he did work. Yeah. And that's completely respectable. Like, that's his job. Fine. But outside of that, I'm not at work. Leave me alone. Absolutely fine with that. Everyone needs their own space. Everyone needs their own time. It's no good having dozens of paparazzi following you around and reporters constantly badgering you for questions. And I just... So, yeah, I completely respect that side of it. And I think they did it really well in terms of not crossing a line that would have made people uncomfortable. But obviously they had help with the Schumacher family. Yeah. So they already had everything they'd been given, like all the archive footage from the Schumacher family, so they couldn't reveal too much. Yeah. I'm guessing the family had seen the documentary like a rough edit so they could say yeah, what they liked they would never have let it go if no. they weren't happy with it, which is the right way to do these sort of yeah. things. Um, I'm just surprised they actually put in Senna's clash, though. Yeah. That was, that was one thing. That, yeah, that was an interesting moment. Um, first time I've actually seen the crash. Yes, yeah, I like, I've seen the moments leading up to it, like where he leaves the track, but I've not seen the impact. So, yeah, that was an interesting choice. Um, I guess that's why it got the rating it got. <laughs> um, probably just for that moment, to be honest. Um, like, as a documentary itself, as a media student, I've like studied documentaries a little bit. So I'm just like, it could be done a little bit better. Like, it's been two weeks since I've watched it, so I can't remember the specifics. But, like... That in some ways it could have been done a little better, as I said, maybe cutting down the Senna bit a little bit, mm. but then it, that could just be from someone who didn't see any of Senna's career, so like I, I mean, not as significant to me as someone who actually saw Senna race. So. Yeah, I, 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 I never saw Senna race, obviously, because he died before I was born, but I can appreciate the fact that they included it, but yeah. at the same time, I feel like that's it, uh, that's a documentary in itself and I mean you could probably make a docu-series about the man he was wasn't there hasn't there already been one there, I mean there's been several films I don't know about documentaries and stuff uh, okay yeah it was like a documentary film cool I know there is one called Senna but I've yeah. not seen it yeah no I, I haven't got around to it <laughs> but all my free time I might just um <laughs> I've watched it about a decade ago. <laughs> There's one part of his doc- Senna's documentary I remember. 
and that's his funeral and that's crazy of just how many people were there Brazil. yeah Brazil go for it when they go for it and it shows how much he meant to people and it's the same with Schumacher as well so yeah yeah you could always tell the support they got at their home Grand Prix was just something yeah. else like we always we, we we comment about the Orange Army and how they're great because the level of support is just off the charts and we always say that Suzuka has great fans because they bring those amazingly ridiculous hats that they have and yes Silverstone the home of motorsport has a great atmosphere around it as well but I don't think there will ever be an atmosphere quite like when Senna won the Brazilian Grand Prix because that was just something else entirely <laughs> because he'd come so close on so many previous occasions that when he finally did it it was just I guess that much that much more than it otherwise would have been uh, but yeah no there's there's so many things that I just wish I could just go back and see like, I want to go back to um, Live Aid Wembley watch the Queen's performance want to go back and watch like Sterling Moss go and absolutely annihilate everyone. Want to go and watch Senna just blitz the walls off Monaco. But, you know, these are things that, well, thankfully there's footage of, but yeah, if this... If it doesn't this, feel the same yeah. as watching it live. Yeah, there's something special about being there. And I, I mean, I know there's, you know, people will say that about a lot of other sports and oh, debates on whose who's football ground has the best atmosphere and whatever and it's just like yeah that's all well and good but in a football ground you've got two teams in a, a circuit like Sao Paulo when Senna's racing it doesn't matter who you are you're supporting Senna and that was that and it was, it was that kind of that unity within the crowd like you, we saw it as Anvor this year it, it didn't matter who you were you could be in a red shirt for a Ferrari guy you were getting drowned in a sea of orange. I mean, you like any circuit, you kind unless it's Russia, you kind of want their home driver to win just because of the atmosphere. Yeah, it's like it, like them, even for the driver themselves, just the atmosphere for them would just be amazing, especially like your first win or something. Yeah, except maybe just, Monza because you know, like you go for the Italian team rather than yeah, yeah. necessarily an Italian driver. Yeah. But, like, you go for, like, the team or the driver or something. But, like, you want them to win for that the atmosphere. Bec- yeah. And it's just... Oh, it would be absolutely phenomenal to go and watch all these races again. But, sadly, we just have races to look forward to instead. <laughs> but, I mean, given where we've come and where we're going, like, we've got a great season on our hands. And we've got, what, six races left now that... The, the final slot has oh. been filled. Yeah, that's breaking news to us. Mm. Oh, yeah. We race as one oh. for $1 billion and questionable human rights ethics. <laughs> Mic drop. Leave. Like, I, I'm sorry. Like, you can't... You can't spend a whole year plastering the re- we race as one stuff absolutely everywhere and then proceed to sign Saudi Arabia 
and Qatar for the next calendar. And then a 10-year deal for Qatar from 23. We haven't even been there once yet. How much money did they give Stefano Domenicali? Uh, I'm not in no way defending those countries, but the same could also be said for basically every country they race at. Because there's Hungary, I think it was, yes. they banned LGBTQ marriage, I think. There's America, Texas, the abortion ban for pregnancies above six weeks. Most people don't know they're pregnant at sex week. Sex six weeks, so it's like oh, practically all the countries are very are quite problematic. So like, yeah, money is obviously a big aspect for those countries, but you've got to. This is sound really sounding like someone on Twitter now, but you've kind of got to give the same energy for the rest of the countries who have problematic stuff, problematic laws going on. Yeah, I mean, obviously, it's a sliding scale of how it is true um, because it's one thing like, i mean even the uk is not great we're still we're still behind in certain areas of law and it took long enough for same-sex marriage to get legalized in all of the uk and and then you look at other countries like you know monaco are they really that perfect we know their tv directorship isn't um and then you go around the world and you've got Australia, not bad, not perfect, nowhere's perfect, that's the thing. But when you go to a place that in the only in the last couple of years allowed women to drive cars, questions have to be asked. Like, yes, they're making progress, but they're not doing enough to warrant this sort of promotion because at the end of the day that is what a formula one event is like it's it's the turkish race week it's monday i've already been hit with adverts to visit turkey they know so it's yeah i feel like there would be other countries more deserving and obviously you know there's been issues with races in the past we had the South African Grand Prix when there was apartheid. That was not, that was bad at a base value. There were years where it didn't happen because of apartheid, which was good because they were setting an example. And it's, we need to, as much as we strive to improve the safety of the cars and the sport as a whole, we need to strive to improve the standards of the countries that we go to. It's not good enough that Hungary haven't sorted out their LGBT plus laws. It's not good enough that Saudi Arabia have only just allowed their women to drive. And it's not good enough that, you know, there's still corporal punishment for in these countries and women have to go around places with their husbands and all that sort of malarkey. It's just F1 is about well, I would say equality, but the Williams team would probably argue uh, <laughs> um, Gunter would not be happy. But it's all about striving forwards. And we're going to places that have only just taken their first step when half of the other countries of the world have already ro run the first half of the marathon. 
so it's as much as it pains me like it's it's the money that's obviously got them the deal there's no no hiding that because it's a moto gp circuit and on our dream circuits and our guesses of what would fill in things i looked at this circuit and i said it looks naff and it looks like a hand because it's just out and in and out and in and it's I, honestly i don't see how people are going to overtake there watch me eat my words and they'll be like the most overtakes of the season um but i i just think there are are countries that would be more deserving of having a Grand Prix. Um, obviously, the time of year has probably also affected the uh, suitability of certain countries. Um, because, you know, I'm thinking Germany. That's a great country for Formula One. We've got Mercedes. I was, I was thinking that as well, like uh, Parker 9, Rainbow yeah. Wing. But this time of year, it's a bit chilly. Um, or at least when, when we'd be going this in what, like five, six weeks? So yeah. That would be very cold. Um, probably snowing. <laughs> but, you know, it's... F1 snow tyres. <laughs> yeah. I mean, hell, even China. I, I'd prefer to go to China. And that is a very far from perfect country with an openly communist government that pretty much openly censors every news outlet known to man um i'd still prefer to go there than somewhere like qatar and saudi arabia because at least the 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 the, the human rights aspect in china is somewhat further along than that in saudi arabia and qatar um but i mean even india Malaysia, all of those places. South Korea. Yeah, exactly. Like, it's all in the same sort of latitude. So it's all going to have much of a muchness for climate. There's just, there will be better places to go because it really just looks hypocritical from a perspective's, a perspective's, a spectator's perspective. Um, when you've plastered all of this, we race as one and we're all in it together. And then you take a massive handout from Qatar to have a 10 year race. Now, I mean, I'm not overly fond of these massive year deals. Unless if it's a track you've been at loads and it's yeah, the fans enjoy it, it's all of a sudden great, yeah, like. Or maybe Kota or something, I don't know. Silverstone, like, great. The, yeah. the, the classics. The classics, great, fine. Qatar, never raced there, 10-year deal. Hmm, maybe that's a bit suspicious. Yeah, the same argument I was going to make is Miami. Yeah, how, well, how long is the deal for Miami? 10 years. Oh. Not even built, and it's got a 10-year deal. Didn't they say Jeddah was a race against the clock to be built? Probably. Yeah. Wouldn't be surprised. So overall, pretty solid documentary. I mean, obviously, you know, things we tweak, but you know, nothing's perfect. So there's always yeah. things we tweak. <laughs> um, but moving on, it's race week or raw geek, as the Ferrari Twitter post was. 
and now everyone just calls it that because memes um which means it's that time we need we need to make our predictions for the turkish grand prix now i have alex's and chris's for all of the categories and i also have sonia's uh for the podiums but i'm not going to tell you them so that they don't influence your opinion so near pole position uh hamilton ben hamilton as well see his opinion was influenced to that <laughs> yeah, yeah, <great. laughs> i have it down <laughs> But I can't actually I give away my podium predictions. I, I so. don't, but I'm looking at the Discord apparently <laughs> everyone is Verstappen. <laughs> everyone except one is Verstappen. Well, so. in our little group of six, it's 50-50. So yeah. uh, with Alex, me and Sonia all going for Verstappen on pole and Chris obviously going for Hamilton. Because if it's Mercedes... <laughs> <clears throat> That's going to sound really interesting on the Spotify version. <laughs> uh, might edit that. <laughs> um, ben, podium. Hamilton, Verstappen, Leclerc. Nia? Verstappen, Hamilton, Ricardo. I'm going to say Verstappen, Hamilton... Bottas, because Valtteri, it's James. Get out of the way. Um, or do I want to? No, you know what? I'm going to go bold. We're going to put Bottas ahead of Hamilton. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. The... So you're deducting points off yourself. <laughs> the revolution <laughs> has begun. Uh, he's 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 gonna he's had enough. He's gonna snap, and he's not gonna he's not gonna team order it. Um, <laughs> it's gonna go so badly now. I've probably just thrown away an easy point. Um, bold prediction. Near. I don't know because all I can think about is bot. That's good. You chicken strips. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> um. What did I say last week? Uh, you went for the oh, the specific really one. specific of Aston Martin's point places and Ferrari places, but you know I did incentivize that with a, sh- yeah. a sh- load of points. Yeah, you did. It was like thirty points, but I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go specific again, but Lando's gonna be ninth. Okay, okay, I like that. That's this bold, which is. Not a great prediction on my side because I'm wishing my favourite driver a weekend. Mm. <laughs> it happens. But, but Ricardo says so have McLaren a good weekend. Yeah, I mean, it's not a bad haul oh. of points. I just realised I would have given him two yeah. weekends in a row. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, no, change it to Leclerc ninth. He's just kind of shit on Ben's podium or something. Is that what <laughs> See how it is. <laughs> I was influenced by Ben's podium. <laughs> you don't want him to win, so you're cursed no. with Claire. In 
sounds so angry Ferrari fans. <laughs> angry to fosy noises. <laughs> um, I am going to say. Well, I, I'll tie it in with my my podium prediction. I'm going to say that Bottas ignores team orders because he he didn't ignore the team orders at Zandvoort where he still set the fastest lap because he did actually back off. But you know, uh, this this is going to be a blatant. Hamilton's not coming through, which the team are going to completely shoot him in the foot and make him do an extra pit stop for. I just realised there's a chance Hamilton would take an engine penalty. Mm. So. Uh. But that's why I'm thinking there's going to be team orders because if yeah. Hamilton's behind Bottas and he's on a nice fresh engine, he's going to be going like stink. Could be interesting. Plus, we don't know how big of an engine penalty it's going to be. So. Might be a five, might be a ten, might be a ninety-three place in penalty. Um, but we'll 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 find out. They they haven't actually said anything. They've they've been sort of hinting towards that they want to take yeah. it here, but they haven't confirmed anything yet. Um, but it is Monday, so <laughs> plenty of time for that. Uh, ben, bold prediction. A virtual safety car during the race. Does that does that count? Yeah. Okay. BSC, because we haven't actually seen one of those in a while. <laughs> uh, wait, no, when was the last time we did see it? It was, I want to say, someone was putting a bollard back in one of the yeah. polystyrene bollards. Yeah, I think so. Because somebody had clouted it. Um, I think that was Mazapin. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of Mazapin. <laughs> It's time for Mazapin Bingo, and we'll, we'll we'll just kick it off. Nia, is he going to finish? Yes. Okay. Twenty-five laps, three laps down. All there faithful. There's, there's fifty-eight laps of this Grand Prix. Twenty-five laps, three laps down. Fair enough. Uh, ben. All faithful. Is he going to finish? Yes. He will. When is he going to get lapped? Lap 26. And that will be the only time he gets lapped. Oh, I'm lapped down. Okay. Um, hmm. This is interesting with the numbers that are already here. Um, he, he will finish. He will finish one lap down. And oh, do I just thread the needle? Half race distance? 58 over 2 is 25 plus 429. Let's make it 30. 30 laps. 30 laps down. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, what would he be in? Like a PLP 50 to finish 30 laps down? Um, he just can't get around turn eight. He just spins every time. <laughs> uh, that, that'll be a point. Turn eight, if they actually can drive flat out this year, would be nice. Because all the yes. drivers were like hyping it up and then. They just couldn't because it was so slippy. <laughs> Did you guys see the IndyCar where Pato Award retired, came back into the race? He was 30 laps down, but he still came back into the race. I was like, you what? What a ledge. <laughs> he retired again and didn't uh, come back this time. But... I mean, in, in certain, like in endurance events, you can often see. Uh, uh, that... I think. In IndyCar, everyone scores points. Oh, okay. No, Minimum I was, I was five. Just, I was just thinking more um, like at 24 hours of Spa or something, if you've 
dented a um, an axle or you know you've damaged something that's annoying but the car was still able to get back to the pits then quite often the teams will actually fix it there and then in the pits and then send the car back out again so i mean yeah they'll then be like 20 minutes behind the leaders but you know they're still in the race because it's it's 24 hours anything can happen so so uh i'll take you through what the others have said so alex said pole would be verstappen and the podium would be Verhamblot. And Chris said Hamilton on pole and Hamver Noor for the podium. Uh, for the bold predictions, uh, Alex went for Valtteri, it's James to be heard during the race. And Chris went for an Aston Martin in the top five. Uh, Mazepin Bingo, Alex said that he would finish, he would get lapped on 37 and he'd be one lap down. And Chris said he'd be. He would finish, he'd be lapped on 22 and would finish two laps down. Um, social media, we've had some some interesting predictions come in from, from people. Um, yeah, let, okay, so my mate Matt sent his in direct to me as per usual. <clears throat> Pole position, George Russell. <laughs> Drop the Mercedes early. Final podium, Norris Hamilton Sites. That seems more likely than a George Pole. Uh, yeah, true, but yeah. at the same time. No. <laughs> questionable. Uh, <laughs> Mackersons has gone for a somewhat more conventional approach. Uh, Verstappen Pole, Verstappen Hamilton Norris podium. Uh, M. Alexander has gone for, again, Verstappen pole, but a Hanver bot podium. Uh, Hamble 93, Bottas podium, Bottas P1, Hamilton P2, and Perez P3. I, I guess expecting Verstappen failure at some stage, to some degree. Uh, Isaac A.B. has gone for Verstappen Pole and Verstappen Norris Bottas podium. Uh, Dead Drunk Idiot, lovely name, uh, has gone for Verstappen Pole, Verstappen Hamilton Vettel podium. Uh, Raul has gone for Verstappen Pole, Verstappen Norris Hamilton podium. And Umpa Luba, what a name, has gone for Verstappen Pole. Verstappen, Hamilton, Ricardo, Podium. Which is all we've got from social media this time. Um, obviously, all eyes will be at the uh, the front of both championships with, well, uh, we're, we're on like four, three, four points gap between the leaders. Something like that. Um, slightly bigger gap in the constructors. We're at like 25 or something now, but you know, it's the constructors. There's a big swing in that. So, but I mean, hopefully, because currently the weather forecast says rain, <clears throat> we'll have a nice dry-ish race. I, I just want to see them go flat through turn eight, right? Because they said they can. So do it. <laughs> <laughs> but but let's, you know, let's hope it's not like a safe. sandstorm or something this year. 
the rude enters the chat. <clears throat> <laughs> Just blast that around the track. Well, I mean, they were blasting Supermax around Sandport, so <laughs> Saudi Arabia gets cancelled by a sandstorm, the rude. <laughs> oh, God, that would be amazing. And I, I would be here for it, to be honest. <laughs> Uh, so that about wraps it up for this week's episode of the <laughs> Turn 3 slash 5 podcast. Uh, we, we are joined by quote-unquote support series this weekend with the Intercity Silver, Golden, <laughs> Platinum Cup. Um, I think they race on four wheels. We don't know. I've never heard of them before. Don't even know where they'd be broadcast. So uh, we'll just cover the F1. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, thank you for listening slash watching. Uh, follow us, like us, share us, please. I'm trying to conquer the globe on my analytics page. So, if you know anyone from Spain, please, uh, please send it to them because they still have neglected to listen to our, our lovely podcast. Uh, also, literally anyone in the continent of Africa, please. Um, what was that really, really tiny island where we? Oh yeah, shout out if you're on the U.S. Virgin Islands. Like, <laughs> yeah. Big ups to you for listening, unless you're on a VPN, in which case, not so big ups. But if you're Disgusting. actually living in the US Virgin Islands, mad props. Don't know how you found us. Love Please it. make it known of how you found us, because I'm really curious now. Uh, also, that one listener in Uruguay and Portugal. Hi. <laughs> uh, if anyone has any family back in Asia, we've yet to conquer mainland Asia or even southeast asia for that point so you know we'd, we'd love some some more easterly support we've got australia but that's about it out there we've got america oh yeah we've got america oh we've yeah got, we've got canada we've got mexico uh we're, we're just lacking africa and asia and obviously antarctica because you know don't think they're that fussed by formula one down in antarctica they could be they could be <laughs> But then what else have they got to do with their lives? <laughs> Probably quite a lot of scientific research. <laughs> Probably quite a lot of important research. But they can scientifically research from the one. <laughs> That's where we get the new fuel from. Uh, so if you're listening in Antarctica, <laughs> uh, give us a like and a follow. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, uh, please uh, join us next week to see how we got on with our god-awful predictions and the, the social media's somewhat less awful predictions. Uh, uh, hopefully we'll have a nice race and we will see you same time next week for our race review. Thank you and goodbye.